Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Rosie. And this week we're trying something a little bit new and different. Um, We're telling a listener story uh, from a listener named Heather. We're going to be reading her story the way she wrote it and interact with it as we go. But before we jump into that, Rosie, we have some Patreon shout-outs to do. Yeah, we... Oops, missed one from last week. <laughs> so, Madison, this is your Patreon shout-out. Thank you very much for supporting us. Thank you, Madison. Sorry again that we forgot to last week. And also a shout-out to my dad, Carrie. Thank you. For supporting us for a long time, but this is his shout-out now. <laughs> also, I would like to report that I got an iPhone. I'm really excited about it. So, just thought I'd let everybody know. It's funny, though, because you're still using my phone to for the outline this week because for some reason the new version of Google Drive on the iPhone X it's no bueno. has really small font, and I can't figure out how to make it bigger right now. So That's okay. I, I swear it's Apple. It's their um, devious plan to get people to stop using Google products. It's working. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but anyway... Um, do you have anything else to say before we jump into the story, Rosie? Um, no. I think I'm, I'm really excited to see how this works, this new format that we're going to try out. Yeah, me too. If this works out well, if it's a good way to tell a story, then we'll probably do it more in the future with uh, write-ins. We have a lot of people writing their stories in, and we appreciate it so much. We're going to get to all of them eventually. And a lot of super nice emails, too, lately. Yeah. We really appreciate all you guys writing in uh, with your kind words and just letting us know that you appreciate the show because it really does keep us going. makes us feel like we're actually talking to someone besides ourselves. (laughs) So thank you guys so much. Um, But yeah, let's jump into this story. Like I said, this is a story of Heather and she's entitled it, My Brother the Monster. All right, and I'll be reading as Heather. Well, I think we'll just take turns because the whole thing... Okay. She wrote the whole thing, so we'll just feel it out and see how it goes. Okay. This is a story about my family. It's about incest, addiction, volatile family dynamics, and the effects this has had on the children involved, and the adults that they've become. I'll start with a cast of characters. The villain is my brother. Let's call him Shannon. He was the only boy in a family of four children. Therefore, the sun rose and set on him. On the outside, it appeared to most people that he could do no wrong. You know, that's kind of how my mom treated me, I think. I was the youngest boy, and I was the only boy. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like, she, I was kind of her favorite. I didn't choose that, but I know (laughs) that my my sisters kind of felt like, you know, I can they totally got the see back it. burner once I was born. You are so much the favorite. It's so obvious. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I didn't ask for that. No one does. I wish I was the favorite. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> the main victims are listed chronologically, not by the degree of abuse or damage done to them. Although there were several minor victims, for lack of a better term, along the way, I am only mentioning the ones who suffered the greatest devastation. Otherwise, this would be a never-ending story. I am also a victim, but my memories have been suppressed, 
and I only have flashbacks and guttural feelings. So this story is not about me, other than the emotional toll it has taken on me over the years. This is breaking my heart to even recall it. Hmm. All right, so the first person we're going to be talking about is Pamela. Uh, She says, As far as I know, victim number one was my sister, Pamela. From her account, she was only nine years old when the abuse started, although it might simply be when she first became aware of what was being done to her and was able to put a name to it, although the name she gives it is quote-unquote relationship. Hmm. It talks about how it's when she first became aware of what was being done to her. We talked about that before, you know, where kids don't really know what's happening to them at the time it's happening. Mm -hmm. They don't have the vocabulary to say exactly what it is. Yeah, so that's a vulnerable situation for Pamela to be in here. And she continues, When I was born, Shannon was 10 and Pamela was 7. I was a sick child as I was born with a milk allergy, so my mother devoted a lot of time and energy to my care. As a result, Pamela hated me for stealing her spotlight. I can relate to that. (laughs) As she had become quite accustomed to being the cute baby of the family. It is my suspicion, based on all that I've heard and read, that Shannon began grooming Pamela while my mother was preoccupied with me. Shannon and Pamela first had sex when I, when she was only nine, and he was 12. Wow. That's really young for both of them. It's crazy. Although she has never mentioned nor admitted to me that this occurred between them, she has told people who have then asked me about it, attempting to confirm that her story is true. This abuse continued until she was 16 years old, when she moved in with her boyfriend. Pamela had never seen this as abuse of any kind. She says that he was the only one who ever made her feel loved as a child, as my father was a bread earner and my mother was busy with me. She says they had a sexual relationship. As they were close in age, they attended the same high school. Pamela was a beautiful girl, much sought after by many boys. When guys would tell Shannon they liked his sister, he was known to say on more than one occasion, Well, then go effer. I do. What? Yikes. I can't even imagine walking through the halls of my high school knowing that my brother is saying this to people and having them stare at me, wondering if it was true. Even after she started to date, the abuse continued. And from what I've been told more than once, Shannon would tell Pamela's boyfriends that she was a good F. Wow. I can't believe he was so open about this. Yeah. And was he so open that people nervously shrugged it off as a joke? Well, yeah. I can't imagine believing someone in school that told me he was having a relationship with his sister. That would be... Well, and to have pride in it? Yeah, I mean, too incest. shocking to believe. Yeah. But crazy. I'm surprised he's not worried about somebody saying something. I know, it's pretty brazen. Like, hmm. I'd like to say that my parents did not know what, that this was going on, but I'm not positive. I know I told them things I'd heard and seen because I was the little tattletale younger sister, but as my memories are suppressed, I'm not sure what kinds of things they heard from me. 
When I found out about this in my early 20s, it was my sister-in-law, Karen, who told me. When I got home that night, I immediately called my oldest sister, Nicole, who was 16 years older than me. Wow, it's quite an age gap. That's like your family. Yeah. Yeah, I guess my oldest sister is 16 years older than me. <laughs> wow. I immediately called my oldest sister, Nicole, and asked her if she knew about it, and she said, No, but I did come over one time during a very loud fight, and I heard Dad say to Shannon, Leave your sister alone. But when I asked Mom and Dad about it, they told me to never mind. Oh, mm. Sweeping it under the rug. Oh, uh, yeah, that could be that they know something that they don't really want to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, but she tried on a few other occasions to find out from our mother what it was all about, to no avail. So she dropped it. This was possibly what they were what they were referring to, because although there were lots of fighting in our household all the time, this particular one was a doozy, according to my sister. For as long as I can remember, Pamela detested both my mother and me, so I often wonder if she felt that my mother knew but kept silent and didn't protect her. We grew up in the 70s, when the men still ruled the roost, and my father ruled by intimidation. Mm. My mother was kind of on the meek side and became an alcoholic when I was very young. I always thought it was because of how my father was, but I now wonder if there was another reason for un her unhappiness and excessive drinking. I cringe to think that they might have known and not have done anything about it. That's a scary thought, but... Definitely. I mean, as she said, she doesn't know if they knew, so we don't want to throw them under the bus too much, but that's, that is a... It would make sense. Yeah. As I mentioned, Karen was the one who told the sorbid tale of my brother and sister. My mother was in a palliative, is that how you say that, Ryan? I would, I think so. Let me see what that means real quick. Palliative care. Yeah, palliative. <laughs> Specialized medical care for people living with a serious illness. Mm, I see. Focus on relief from symptoms and stress of a serious illness. Okay. So I'll restate that sentence. My mother was in a palliative care hospital and we were driving to see her one evening after work. We were discussing my mother's financial situation and how my mother wanted to leave Karen $10,000, but there was not enough money in her estate to do that. I wonder why she wanted to give that to Karen. Hmm. We both felt that my mother wanted Karen to flee with the children with this money. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> and as there we talked, go. she told me that she, she wished she had never come back when she got away the first time. Oh. She had managed to leave she had managed to leave him when the children were small and fled back to where she'd grown up with the financial help of her mother and stepfather. Pamela and Karen were best friends, and Pamela had helped with the logistics of the escape, such as providing an alibi for Karen to be away from her house for a few hours with the kids. Shannon had become very controlling by this time, and he had to know Karen's every move. Pamela also drove Karen and the kids to the airport so they could make their getaway. Those poor kids had no idea what was going on, as Karen had had, 
had to keep it a secret so nobody would accidentally tell Shannon about it. I don't recall how long they were gone, maybe a few months, but Shannon kept threatening to kill Karen and take the kids back. Wow. Although, if he killed Karen, I really doubt he's going to get the kids back. Yeah, that's a really good point. He'd also say that she was a worthless piece of sh- Shista. and no with no job, and he owned a business, so the judge would give him custody, and he'd make sure that she didn't get visitation and would never see them again. Ugh. How is he planning on making that work? How did he get married? He sounds like just a real piece of work. Uh Uh-huh. You want to continue? Yeah. She called Pamela in a panic about these things that he was saying. So Pamela finally told Karen that if it came to it, she would go to court and tell them that Shannon had molested her for seven years. When Karen told her that she couldn't let Pamela lie for her, Pamela told her that it wasn't a lie. Karen was devastated, but oddly enough, it never crossed her mind that Shannon may have done something to her children already. Oh. Oh, no. Man, this guy is just causing trouble all over the place. Years later, when Karen and I were talking one night, she brought this conversation up. I asked her if she thought Jennifer's troubles could be due to Shannon doing something like this to her. But she said, oh no, he would never do that to her. She's his mini-me, his pride and joy. I guess it didn't occur to her that all the tales of when my siblings were young describe how Shannon wouldn't let anyone near Pamela because his little sister was his pride and joy. Oh, so there's a connection there. And just to be clear, Jennifer is Karen and Shannon's child. Yeah. So he's he was overly protective of um, Pamela, and now he's overly protective of Jennifer, his daughter. His mini-me. And, I mean, this poor Karen, she said he would never do anything like that to her. I mean, she never thought he would have done that to his sister either. Right. He was really good at pulling the wool over her eyes, it seems like. But... So, needless to say, this new information was beyond disturbing to me. My mind was so messed up that I didn't know how to think, act, or feel. At the time, I was in an abusive relationship with someone who used to love to find out bad things about my family and throw them back in my face when we were fighting. That sounds like a terrible friend. This sounds bad. Really bad. Wow. That's not how you have a good relationship. Um, This was the last thing I needed to hear repeatedly. Yeah. So I told him that I had just found out something unsettling about my family, and I wouldn't be coming to his place that night. He asked me what it was, and I told him I didn't want to talk about it. He then asked if it was about my brother and sister. What? Huh. So she's feeling a little like, why? What What have you heard? Well, yeah. What That's if... what I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So she says, I asked him what he knew about that, and he told me that when we started dating, his brother, who went to school with my siblings 
told him that our family was sick because my brother and sister had sex with each other. <laughs> it seemed like everyone knew. Oh my gosh. So, well, I guess it makes sense if Shannon wasn't very discreet about it. He was always seemingly, seems like he was bragging about it almost. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you want to continue, Rosie? Sure. The following day, when I went to work, I was obviously a little off. My coworker Chloe, who I had literally known since I was born, asked me if I was okay. I burst out crying, and I ran to the washroom. She followed me and kept asking me what was wrong. Did my mother die? Did my boyfriend hurt me? I asked her if she knew about Shannon and Pamela, and she went pale and started to shake. She said that she had always suspected that something had been going on, but that Shannon had molested her when she was young. She was our neighbor. Ooh. She told me that she was worried so much over the years that he was molesting his own daughter. Both of us were sobbing messes in the workplace bathroom. Oh my, my gosh. gosh. This is like the most intense drama film. I can't believe how many twists and turns there are. This guy has been everywhere around town. No so kidding. many people. So she he molested Chloe too? That's what, she, that's what it says. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> a couple of years later, Pamela got me a job working with her. One evening, she had called in sick. So it was just me and the two other ladies we worked with. They were talking quietly together, and then I heard one of them say, Just ask her. After about five minutes of silence, Candace says to me, Your sister told us something very disturbing, and we're wondering if it's true or if she's just trying to get attention. I didn't look up. I just said, It's true. She proceeded to tell me the details, which were simply that she had had a relationship with her brother for several years when they were young. I nodded. She then said that she didn't understand why it was referred to as a relationship when it was clearly sexual abuse. I nodded again and told her that my sister had never confided in me about it and explained the conversation that my sister-in-law and I had had a few years before. They never spoke about it to me again, either because they were mortified or perhaps they, were, they just thought that we were a couple of liars. Who would believe a story like that coming from two seemingly well-adjusted sisters? That's sad. What a terribly awkward conversation. Yeah. And it's sad that that's, that has to be a question. Like, who would believe that? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, that shouldn't be the question. You know? Right. People shouldn't have to worry that they're going to be ridiculed or not believed when they speak up about stuff. It continues, over the years, my sister and I went to events and got drunk together. Each time, I'd try to get her to open up by talking about what I'd seen on Oprah about sexual abuse and grooming or other similar topics. Rosie, like, when Oprah talks about that. I do like it. I love Oprah in general. We still got to um, do an episode about... Leaving Neverland. Yeah. I was thinking that about and that, grooming, too. The grooming process. Mm -hmm. But, okay... Oprah, sorry, I tried to get her op to open up by talking about what I'd seen on Oprah about sexual abuse and grooming or other similar topics, 
but she never alluded to anything with the exception of one time when she told me that my family had moved to a new house when I was just a baby because a few of the men in the old neighborhood were sexually abusing her in a baseball field behind our house. I was dumbfounded and didn't know what to say. I actually don't recall what I said in return, but I left that night thinking that she was in denial to the point that she was replacing our brother with various men in her version of reality. Hmm. Hmm. That's an interesting idea. What do you think, Ryan? About her replacing her brother? Yeah. I guess I wouldn't have thought that initially. Yeah, well, I'm not close to the situation, so... Right, but it is a possibility, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if this is the vibe that Heather got talking to her, then... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's also completely believable that there were random people because, mm-hmm. I mean, especially if this is a reason that they moved, but right, who knows? One thing that I should mention is that Shannon and Pamela have always been close and still are to this day. In fact, they are currently on a southern vacation together. She's in poor health and has very little money, so he takes her down south for a week every year and pays the whole shot. Wow. Guilt? Pity? A bit of both? It yeah. creeps me out to think about it. Seems like it. As they share one hotel room. But at least his new girlfriend is with them, so my mind didn't go there at this time. Huh. That is really odd. That he would... Well, Well, it's nice. I mean, yeah, they are siblings, but man, knowing the history there, it's really... It's just icky, you know? Yeah, the creepy crawlies. Yeah. Pamela has been in a loveless union union with an alcoholic man who is emotionally abusive for almost 30 years. They have one daughter who is relatively well-adjusted and works with troubled youth in our local school system. Pamela drank excessively for many years. She has very low self-worth and almost no self-esteem. She suffers from many medical ailments, some of which are self-induced. She has suffered from depression for many years, and she will tell you that she's suffered from depression since birth. And if you ask our older relatives, they will tell you that she was a very happy little girl until I came along and my mother's attention was diverted from her. Sadly, I believe this is the only small portion of a real story. Yeah, so that was our first um, victim in this story, Pamela. And, you know, that's that's like an entire lifetime, you know, Mm -hmm. just. And and obviously being really close to Shannon is not healthy for her. She has all these problems in her life. Yeah, excessive drinking, low self-esteem. No self-worth. Low self-worth. Ugh. And, you know, those medical ailments, I mean, she says some of which are self-induced, but, I mean, just stress alone can cause so many medical ailments or this low self-worth mm-hmm. and depression. Ugh. It's really sad. But now we're going to talk about Karen. That's... Shannon's ex-wife, who we talked a little bit about earlier. 
So it says victim number two was Shannon's ex-wife, Karen. Things were always warped in their relationship, but she was a small-town farm girl who thought that city folk were more experimental with their sexuality, so she never really questioned him and just learned to keep him happy. She was a wonderful, super strong-willed woman when she came into our family, and she left us as a broken, defeated mess, attempting to drown her sorrows in alcohol. Well, that tells you something about how the marriage went. <laughs> Definitely. And it's really a shame. Quite honestly, their lives together could be a miniseries. Only sadly, he wasn't killed at the end of it. Karen met my brother when Shannon was working in a city 2,500 miles from our hometown. He was very nice to her when they met, and they hit it off quite well. She was from a very small farming town on the prairies, and he was from a large city. Not long after they met, the work situation picked up in our hometown, so Shannon wanted to move back. He asked Karen to come with him, and since she had fallen in love with him, she decided to give the big city a try. He has always been very materialistic, so he probably made it sound like they live in a castle and have everything they'd ever want. Not long after they got back, Karen got pregnant, so they figured they'd better get married. Around that time, my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer, which was devastating to us all, but uh. even more so to Shannon, as he and my father worked together and they were very close. Shortly after Jennifer was born, our father passed away. This is when Shannon started to show his true colors to everyone. He was tyrannical, controlling, intimidating, threatening, loud, racist, and obnoxious. He would force Karen to perform sex acts on him, even when her children could easily walk in on them. Uh. He was cruel and sadistic to her, and made it known that to her, made it known to her that he and his needs came, over, came before the kids. Hmm. He had taken over our father's business, and he had made her and the kids come to work every day so they could keep so he could keep his eye on her those poor kids grew up in a pickup truck and on job sites even during the summers when school was out he would call her awful names in front of everybody on the job site effing whore stupid uh, c word dumb slut and he'd get right in her face and scream at her at the top of his lungs, spitting in her face out of pure rage. Most people on the site hated him and what he was doing to her, but they were also afraid of him because of these outbursts. So unfortunately, no one did anything to help her. They all knew those two little kids were in the truck, too. But still, nobody helped or said a word. She endured so much emotional abuse over the 15-plus years that they were married, and little by little, she lost who she was and became a complacent shell of a human being. He beat her down until there was almost nothing left. Her spirit was broken. Huh, this is a facet of abuse that gets overlooked a lot, emotional mm -hmm. abuse, but, or even just this domineering, controlling man you know married man that thinks his wife exists to serve him mm -hmm. and his needs it's 
like that in itself is terrible but then calling her names in front of his workmates and with the two kids close by it's like that's not only hurting her but it's setting a terrible example for his kids and mm-hmm. and I'd wonder what the people on the work site were thinking like if anyone ever did anything or to like hey maybe you shouldn't do that well it looks like nobody had the guts to ugh this guy seems like a um words that I'm not going to say on the show so she continues our mother our mother fell ill with cancer in the late 80s so Shannon brought her bought her house and moved her into the basement Wow, she got a downgrade. Karen took excellent care of her, even though her life was falling apart and her descent into despair had already begun. Our mother had to be moved to a palliative care facility months before she should have been because the home care workers were canceled due to my brother's outbursts. Oh, wow. Wow. He would freak out and yell and scream at Karen and the kids. Even when my mother had company or the care workers were downstairs with her. What? This guy... The, th- the theme I'm noticing as we go through this is he is so brazen and has no regard for how his actions would are being perceived by the people around him. Very apathetic to yeah. other people's views. And it seems like he just keeps on getting away with it. Mm-hmm. So it's like he keeps learning more and more that he can get away with it and he can act this way and there's no consequences. <sighs> so despite this, after my mother passed away, Shannon wanted praise from our family members for taking mom in and caring for her while she was sick. Like he did anything. Wow. What? I can't believe he wanted all this praise. Yeah. For screaming and yelling and throwing tantrums. Seems like a giant baby. She continues, like he had anything to do with caring for her. In reality, she lived her last year in fear of what he would do to Karen and her last four months away from her home because he is a toxic piece of shit. Shista? Yep, thank you. <laughs> Who only cares about himself. Wow, that's, I mean, she gets cancer in her late 80s. You'd think when you have a number of kids, you'll be taken care of, or at least, you know, they'll be loving and supportive of you at the very least, but he made her last year miserable. That's, ah, so she continues. These are her words, not mine. If I could kill him and get away with it, I feel like I could do it right at this very moment. Wow. I mean, that's a bold thing to say, too. Yeah. I mean, she said it earlier, too. Like, their life could be, their marriage could be a miniseries, but Mm -hmm. unfortunately, he doesn't die at the end. And I mean, it seems extreme, but it really illustrates the emotion, emotional damage that this kind of behavior does to the people around you, because... I mean, for her to feel that strongly, strong hatred towards her brother because of the things he's done. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
it's a huge deal. And it's really sad that he his actions can affect all these people this way. So, not long after my mother passed, Shannon built a large house just outside the city and moved his family there. Within the first year, Karen caught him cheating. Wow. Mm -hmm. She walked in with the kids after school, and there he was effing his girlfriend in their new home. With the kids? Oh, those poor kids. I can't even imagine. I mean, that's a double whammy. First year's seeing your dad having sex in the first place, but then it's not even your mom. I mean, you find out that... And it's right after they move. It's something that's going to destroy your family. Karen made up her mind to leave him as soon as the kids were out of school. For the next few weeks, Karen treated him like a plague. She wouldn't let him near her and avoided him at all cost. When school was out, she told him he w- she was taking the kids for a trip to visit her family. She jumped in the truck and never looked back. She left all their belongings with the exception of a few clothes and prized possessions. She had little to no money and knew that he would cut her off of credit cards as soon as he realized that she had no intention of coming back. But she stood her ground and stayed away. He threatened her over the phone on an hourly basis at first. Then he tried being nice to her, and then back to anger. Like, dude, this is your fault. Why You're threatening her? Like, obviously you don't want to be with her if you're bringing your girlfriend into your house. I know. She stood her ground. His calls tapered off a bit, but he never completely left her alone. He then started using the kids as pawns, telling them he missed them, and asked them to come back the following summer to visit. But he was never nice to them when they were around. Sadly, Karen let them come back to see him, and Jennifer ended up staying while Zane returned home to his mother. Within a year, Jennifer was pregnant. She was only 16, and none of us had ever known her to have a boyfriend. Karen spent the next 10 years after leaving Shannon in a drunken stupor. She tried her best to drink her pain and memories away, but she didn't succeed. She did almost succeed in killing herself with drugs and alcohol, but eventually she found herself again. So I want to go back to that. Within a year... Of living with her father, Jennifer was pregnant, but she never had a boyfriend. Yeah, it sounds like it was unspoken, but they knew who the father was. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, it's it's incest is such a hard topic to talk about. It's just so unnatural. I know, it's icky, but at the same time you feel weird talking about it because... Like, this is one family, you know? It's all in one family, and uh, it's it feels icky, like, digging into the details about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does feel icky. Because it kind of feels like it's their thing, you know? Like, what right do we have to talk about it? But it is an issue that needs to be talked about. She had a tenuous relationship with Jennifer, as Jennifer has been brainwashed to take her father's side. When Jennifer became pregnant, she fully expected her mother to return to help her with the baby, 
despite the fact that she was still living with Shannon. Karen was still terrified of what he would do if she came back, so she told Jennifer she would help her if she went to live with her mother, but Jennifer refused. It's 17 years later, and Jennifer is still bitter that her mother didn't come back to help her. I can't believe she refused to live with her mom. Oh my gosh, there's so many things wrong with the story. Yeah, and we'll get into Jennifer's story in a little bit, but it seems like she was really brainwashed by her father. Karen has been with a great guy for about 16 years. They have both overcome addiction and live a simple life on the Canadian prairies. They struggle financially, but they'd both be the first people to help someone in need. She will always be my sister in my heart, and I will never forget her dedication to my ailing mother, even when her life was in shambles. It's really sweet that um, Heather's able to identify Karen as a good sister-in-law, even though all this crap is happening. You know, she's still able to identify the good person. Oh, yes. And the good that she did for her family, even living under the tyrannical rule of Shannon. But now we're going to get into Jennifer. Uh, she's Shannon's daughter. Um, it says, she was, Jennifer was a sweet, happy little girl until one day. Darkness spread over her and never left. Unfortunately, I was young and wasn't paying enough attention to those around me, so I'm not sure exactly when this happened, but I'd say she was about four or five. But mm. I think her father did things to her when she was way younger than that, like maybe as an infant. When Jennifer was born, she was adorable, bright, and happy. Karen was a great mother. Shannon seemed happy to have his daddy's little girl. She loved being the center of attention, especially when it was her father's attention. Shannon only bothered with Jennifer when he felt like it, and as she grew and demanded more of her mother's time, he became jealous. He didn't like being second in line. When Jennifer was not quite two, Zane was born. Shannon displayed displeasure for his new son almost instantly. Zane had some medical issues and needed an operation. So Karen stayed at the hospital with him, and Shannon took care of Jennifer, with the help of Pamela. I am almost certain that the abuse started at this time. Jennifer's demeanor changed drastically, and everyone seemed to think it was the jealousy towards her sibling, especially since he was so sick and garnered more attention than a newborn baby normally would have. It wasn't until later that I began to think that he likely took full advantage of this of those several nights alone with Jennifer, way out in the country, with nobody around to hear her or help her. It's, uh, it's really sad that Jennifer got the blame for her demeanor changing. Uh, like, people assumed she was jealous towards her little brother getting more attention, when really she was probably dealing with something way beyond her control that was... Mm -hmm. Yeah, devastating her. Right. says, when the kids were about four and two years old, Karen had to fly out last minute to take care of her sick father. They couldn't afford to fly the kids out with her, so I offered to go out in the evenings to take care of them. I knew he would just let them run loose and not pay any attention to them. 
On the second night, after I had gotten the kids to bed, he told me I could come into his room and watch TV with him on the new waterbed. I didn't think much of it, as he was my brother, and I'd already suppressed whatever memories I had of the things he'd done to me when I was young. I was only there a few minutes when he reached for my breast and said, You turned out to have some pretty big tits, didn't you? Gross. I can't believe he would say it. Ugh, so I felt so weird saying that. I should have had you read that. (laughs) No, I don't want to read it. Ugh, that's awful. I slapped his hand away and went into the room I was staying in and closed the door. He was laughing at me as I walked away. What a jerk. I lay awake all night, shaking, terrified to fall asleep. The next day, on the way into town, I busied myself by conversing with the kids avoiding any interaction with him. I told my mother that I didn't want to go back out that night. Shannon said he'd be fine with the kids. It never crossed my mind that without me there, those kids were his little captives. I don't think I will ever shake the guilt that I feel over not being the barrier for them. But I was only 15. My gosh. I'm glad she said her age because I was imagining her being an adult at I this know, time. I know, same. That's that makes everything even worse. Like mm-hmm. she's fifteen years old and her brother molests her in his bedroom. Like mm-hmm. I was only fifteen and scared she of him after what he'd tried to pull pull with me and the thought of being alone with him was nauseating jennifer continued to withdraw as she got older as she grew up she became increasingly angry and sullen reading all about adolf hitler and enamored with the columbine shooters she got into a bit of trouble at school and didn't have many friends When her mother took them and moved away, Jennifer was devastated to be leaving her father, although he had never been very nice to her, and said and did things to destroy her self-esteem every chance he got. The only person he was meaner to was Zane, and Jennifer took great pleasure in that, as it reaffirmed that she was the favorite. Oh my gosh, (sighs) get this girl a therapist ASAP. Yeah, she's very much brainwashed and under the control of him. Like... Mm Mm-hmm. Like, she's starting to take pride in whatever their relationship is and viewing it as, like, that's how she makes her father proud of her. Right. It's really sad. That summer that her and Zane came back to visit Shannon, she decided to stay. I think deep down she expected Karen to follow her and come back and was furious when her plan didn't work. The following summer, I got a call from Shannon asking if I would help him with Jennifer. I had recently had a baby, and he was wondering if I could get an appointment for Jennifer with my OBGYN, as she was pregnant. I asked him who the father was, and the response was an elaborate story that I didn't believe for one minute. Apparently, Jennifer had met a boy online, 
He was from a southern state, and somehow he made his way up to Canada to meet Jennifer and spend the summer with her. Shannon, of course, let them share a bed for the duration of his stay. When I asked where the boy was now, I was told that his parents had figured out where he was, and the police had come to Shannon's place, picked him up, and shipped him back to his father. Pamela had been out to Shannon's place several times that summer, and when I asked her if she had met Jennifer's boyfriend, she told me that she didn't think she had a boyfriend. Wow. I found that very odd, so I asked her again a few weeks later if she'd met him, and she said that Jennifer and him were never home when she had been there to visit Shannon, so she never got a chance to meet him. How odd the, tr- the stories change. Wow. That is an elaborate story and seems really iffy. Like, definitely... Very suspicious. Sounds made up. Mm-hmm. So, continues, I was not in touch with this part of my family too much for the next few years, so all I can say is what I heard from one of Shannon's ex-girlfriends, and that was that Jennifer was very mean to her son, locking him in closets, screaming at him, and inflicting harsh punishment on him for very small things. The cycle of abuse. For many years, Shannon financially supported Jennifer and Jeffrey, and they all lived together at Shannon's house on the outside of town. One day, I had to go there for some reason, and Shannon was calling Jennifer an effing whore and a lazy slut. She had replaced Karen in his life, and it was sickening to hear. Who talks to their daughter like that? My stay was brief, and I never went back to that house again. Not long after that, one of my brother's friends, Ray, stopped by my place to say hello, and we chatted for a while. I was telling him about the disturbing incident that occurred when I was out there a few weeks earlier, and he commented that he couldn't believe the way Shannon talks to Jennifer. He then went on to say that she has something on him. I asked him why he thought that and he said that one time when he was out there Shannon was yelling and calling her names to humiliate her in front of Ray and she turned around and said yeah keep going a-hole keep talking and I'll tell your friend all about it Hmm. want me to tell him I will you know Shannon apparently shut up immediately and Jennifer walked away I asked Ray what he thought it might be, and he said he didn't know. I told him that I thought Shannon was Jeffrey's father, and Ray stared at me for a second. Then he told me I was sick to even say something like that. I told him it wouldn't be the first time Shannon did something like that to a relative. Ray just shook his head and changed the subject. He doesn't stop by anymore. Man, if somebody needs a definition for toxic, I think we found it. Right? And, like... How did this guy not get charged by this time for anything? I know. Well, a whole lot of secret keeping and people like Ray who just immediately shut it down as soon as someone says something. 
you know? Mm-hmm. He just shook his head and changed, changed the subject and said that she was sick to even say something like that. Like, how can people ever get out of these situations if people just don't take it seriously and shrug it off? Yeah. <laughs> Shannon works as a tradesman. My husband and I have a small company, also a trade. One day, about 10 years ago, I got a call from a woman who lived not far from us, who was looking for an estimate. So my husband went over and provided it for her. They got chatting, and she told him that we were recommended by a friend of the family, Ross. A few weeks later, while my husband was working on her job, Shannon pulled up in front of the house. My husband, not a fan of Shannon's, asked him what he was doing there. Shannon said he was there to see the homeowner. She had been a good friend of his for many years. He used to sleep with her. He was told that she had, was not expected home until late afternoon, so he left. The following day, after my husband finished up the job, the homeowner started up a conversation, starting with, So, Shannon's your brother-in-law. Yep. She says, So, I guess you know Jennifer and Jeffrey. And my husband says, Not really. The family isn't very close. She says, well, do you know Jeffrey's father? And my husband replies, no, I never met him. Some kid down from south. Down from south? From, <laughs> from down, down south. It's <laughs> all right. The woman says, you don't believe that, do you? My husband, who never believed me when I said I thought Shannon was Jeffrey's father, said, why? Who is his father? She says... Shannon had sex with his own daughter, and they have a child together. Every time the kid gets in trouble at school, I'm the one they call. I've already had two calls because he was making sexual advances to girls in his class. Jeffrey was? Yeah. He was in grade one. How does someone in grade one know about sex? I know the answer because I remember knowing a lot about sex at that age, too. Oh, my gosh. So this is such an, a, such a good example, not a good example, but a perfect example of the cycle of abuse because it just keeps going down the line. And mm-hmm. it starts with him on Jennifer. Jennifer is emotionally abusive to Jeffrey. And then Jeff, Jeffrey is abusive to the other kids in his class. I mean, trying to make sexual passes at girls... In his, what? First grade. First grade class. Mm -hmm. They're six or seven years old. Huh. So it continues. Jennifer is in an abusive relationship. Her father is back in her life after a brief separation. He is still toxic to her, but she can't seem to cut the ties and get away from him. She works in the legal field for a small firm in our hometown. She is still extremely troubled and sadly will likely remain that way. Hmm. Huh. So, I mean, with all these people, it seems like there's just been lasting effects mm-hmm. from this. And they, I mean, it doesn't say that they've ever gotten help with any of it, or I don't think any of it's even public. You know, it's just eating away at them and 
ruining their life. So the next person we're going to talk about is Zane. Um, he was Jennifer's younger brother, the the youngest son of Shannon and Karen. Victim number four was their son, Zane. His father never, ever liked or cared for him. He called him terrible names right from when he was a small child, even when he tried so, so hard to get his daddy to like him. I don't know how much happened to Zane, but I would bet my life that his father sexually abused him. Once, when Karen was out visiting her sick father again and Shannon was out playing hockey, I was babysitting at their home. The kids were about six and eight years old, if I recall correctly. I went looking for a board game and ended up finding a bunch of hardcore porno magazines sitting under the counter, right out in the open. Jennifer saw that I was trying to quickly gather them up and put them out of their reach when she said, Don't worry about that. Daddy lets us look at them. What? I said, What? He does? Zane said, Yes, he looks at them with us. Oh my gosh. Uh, there's a lot of evidence going into this that, I mean, that pretty much proves that all this is mm-hmm. happening. I told them that they shouldn't be looking at them at all, and Daddy certainly shouldn't be looking at them with his children. I told Pamela, and she said that she'd talk to him about that. Not long after, Shannon invited me, invited my boyfriend at the time to go to a hockey game with him and Zane. He returned with a very disturbing story. They were in the car, and Shannon said to Zane, What do you do with a woman's boobies? And Zane said, Dad, stop. Shannon Shannon continued, Zane, I told you already what to do with them. You bite them and pull on them until she screams. What? I was horrified. I told Karen and she was all, and all she said was, oh, he's so effing sick. Oh my gosh, this, I can't believe this person so, did not have to suffer any consequences yet for his actions. He's it's training my his mind. little son? How old was he at this time? Oh, six years old. He's training his six-year-old son to be... What kind of... Hmm. Like, rough... What is that Dominatrix. called? Dominatrix. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, inflicting physical S&M. pain. Yeah. What the heck? That is not what you do with a woman's boobies. <laughs> oh my gosh, Ryan. Zane's father almost caused him financial ruin. He currently lives back near his mother, Karen. He has a daughter who he has no relationship with and never sees back in our hometown. And he is married with three stepchildren. He has a successful career and slowly his wounds are healing. He will never speak to his father or sister again. So... uh the next one we're going to talk about is Jeffrey. Now, this is Jennifer's son. Mm-hmm. Victim number five is the last major victim, and it's Shannon's grandson, Jeffrey, who several of us believe is also his son. Again, I don't know the extent of the abuse here, but I do know that all of the people in Shannon's life, of all the people in Shannon's life, Jeffrey was the one he was nicest to. And he wasn't really even nice to him. Well, I guess you could say he was less mean to him 
and he felt sorry that Jennifer would lock him in a closet when he was bad. My God, that is not okay. It happened in Shannon's house, but he didn't rescue him from the closet. He just felt bad when it happened. A lot of good that does. Jeffrey had a horrible life with these deranged people. The only person who showed him any compassion and love at all was Pamela. My husband had to go to Shannon's for some reason when Jeffrey was just about three or four. He was playing video games, and my husband asked him what he was playing. Jeffrey replied that he was playing Grand Theft Auto and shooting the whores just like Grandpa taught him. That game's rated M for 17 and over. Just throwing that out there. And this kid is three or four. So... When Jeffrey was a baby, Jennifer and her abusive boyfriend at the time got into a fight in a mall parking lot. The boyfriend who was driving Jennifer's car stormed off to the mall, into the mall, taking the keys with him. It was the middle of winter in Canada, and it was well below zero. Jennifer ran into the mall after him, leaving little Jeffrey in the car all alone. Luckily, someone called the police and Jeffrey was rescued from the freezing car. Pamela took Jennifer to the police station and pleaded with him, with them to return Jeffrey to Jennifer, explaining that she's the victim of an abusive boyfriend and she was just trying to get her keys so she could get Jeffrey home to bed. She later said to me that she was so worried about poor Jeffrey being put into a group home or foster care and how scared he would have been. I can't imagine it would have been any worse than what he ended up living with, living in for the past 17 years. More guilt for not acting on these things I heard over the years and getting the authorities, authorities involved. In all honesty, our child protection system is very broken up here in Canada. I don't know what... I don't know that Jeffrey would have ended up in a less harmful environment, but I will always wonder what would have happened if I had not remained silent. I mean, this is a good thing for all of us to think about because, you know, it's it's hard to speak up. It's hard to, especially when people don't believe you or people shrug it off. Um... Jeffrey is 17 years old and lives with his mother. He is a smart boy with an entrepreneurial spirit, but being raised in a toxic environment like he was, who knows what his future holds. Hopefully he will rise above it all and learn to deal with the terrible thoughts that surely must be running through his mind. I know my mind never stops thinking about it, and my horrors are nowhere near what his must be. So... That's it for the um, stories. She continues, This is a very small sample of an extremely large story. This was heart-wrenching to write, but strangely cathartic at the same time. And about Shannon, she says, What he truly is, is a narcissistic pig whose goal in life is to destroy others and leave them feeling ashamed and worthless. Hmm. <sighs> Like you said, toxic member of this family. Toxic I mean, as a definition. <laughs> yeah. Like he is toxic. 
That yeah, it's the it. definition of Tasker. But super. Yeah, that's five lives that he has played a role in destroying. I mean, there's still hope for Jeffrey here, but all the other four people we talked about, they're just, you know, having a really rough time and have had many years of their lives ruined. So it's just thank you, Heather, for sharing the story with us because mm -hmm. it is an issue that often gets overlooked, both with the emotional abuse of caring and the incest factor with Shannon and his sister and, Sh and Shannon and his kids. <sighs> but, I mean, keep an eye out for this. If someone ever comes up and talks to you about things they think might be going on, don't shrug it off or call them sick for even thinking that. Hear them out and ask them why they feel that way because people like Ray that just... They're like, la, 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 I don't want to hear about that. That's, I mean, I'm not blaming Ray, but that kind of attitude is what keeps these people from seeing an end to their abuse. So do you have anything you want to say about it, Rosie, before we wrap up? Just how depressed I feel. <laughs> that was such a dissatisfying ending. I wish that we would get some justice in this story. I yeah. just hope that these poor people find some type of closure or help mm -hmm. but anything i mean this guy is terrible i mean i can't even think of a terrible word to give him i know i hope that if there is a way for him to find justice that they do find it again uh all the names were changed for the story so their identities aren't public but I guess narcissistic pig is probably the best thing I can come up with that doesn't have an F-bomb in it. Yeah, exactly. But thank you so much, Heather, for opening up about this and sharing your story. Because even though it's depressing and dissatisfying, there's, I mean, still a lot that we can learn from it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think of incest as being that big of an issue these days. Like, it just feels like an old problem you know what i mean yeah but maybe it was, but it's happening a lot more than we realize people are just good at hiding it because it's such an embarrassing topic to talk about nobody wants to admit it or bring it up i think well yeah i mean think of our last the last listener story we had and right. she that's why it was her father I this mean, is happening this actually a lot. a lot of the cases we cover it's the parents abusing the children and that's incest you know? yeah it's just when it's a kid, a 12-year-old that starts abusing his sister and then continues to abuse her, abuse her and others for life, It's that's a, a new perspective that you don't think about as much. Just how scary it must be for parents to even think about having this worry, you know? Yeah. It's just so... I just can't imagine. Uh, I know. You don't expect your kids to want this from each other but that's why we're not having kids just cats yep and they're all boys so hopefully <laughs> hopefully there will be no reproduction they're also not related so anyway um we're gonna wrap that story up now 
Um, thank you again, Heather, for sharing that. But now we're going to jump in to our happier portion of the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got a really nice review. Podcast review time. This one, Rosie, you read it. It's titled, My New Fave. It's a five-star Apple podcast review from Maddie Barbs from the U.S. of A. It says... Hi, Maddie Barbs. I have been listening to Ryan and Rosie for a couple of months now, and I love this podcast. Every long car ride, every long run or workout, I have VOV in my ears. As an aspiring criminal justice professional, I thoroughly enjoy their perspective on these cases and how hard they work at becoming knowledgeable about their topics. My fiancé and I listen together sometimes, and we always look at each other when Ryan and Rosie are acting a little silly, because we are also really silly. (laughs) Ryan is such a great guy and husband, and Rosie is so funny, caring, and supportive of Ryan. I love this podcast and R&R. Hashtag Team R&R. Oh, I um, love it when people call me funny. Ooh, a new hashtag, Team R&R. Oh, very intriguing. Let's get that rolling on Twitter. We got like three really nice reviews, and I would have read them all. Yeah, we're but we're going to do one at a time. Mm-hmm. Because if we ever stop getting new reviews, then we'll have, <laughs> we'll have uh, a old stock. ones to read. <laughs> cool. But thank you so much, Maddie Barbs. Yeah, not only does the five stars, like, make us really happy but it's more so the review itself that we get super excited about mm-hmm. maddie wait we thanked the madison as a new patron today do you think that's the same person <gasps> i don't know maddie let us know yeah <laughs> madison of patreon are you the same as maddie barbs who knows all right well thank you all so much for listening we know it was a tough story to get through, but, you know, these are real stories that happened. And, yeah, thank you, Heather, for taking the time to write this all out in a storytelling way. Because, I mean, that's why we read your own words, because, like, you know what? It's already written like a story. Mm-hmm. Let's just ha- let her speak her voice. And so, yeah. Right. All right, well... Do we have any cat news this week? No, but it's our anniversary on Saturday. That's right. And I have a special day tomorrow. Yep, it's... It's I don't, It's so embarrassing what we're calling it. Yeah, it is. Because it's like our pet names for each other. Well, maybe someday we'll talk about it. It's a long explanation, but it's Rosie Day. Yeah. Pretty much, right? <laughs> yeah, except a much cornier name. <laughs> and I don't know what we're going to do, but you do, right? Um, right? Oh, yeah. I'd, yeah, well, I <laughs> I had a much more elaborate plan, which I already told you about. Well, yeah, because I guessed. Yeah, but I still haven't heard back from... But do you have a plan B? You should always have a plan I B. I do have a plan B. It's just not as special as... Mm. Plan A. Oh, man. Well, it, it's hard to beat Plan A, don't you think? Mm-hmm. I feel bad that we're, we should just say what it is. I was going to bring Rosie to a fox, um, fur, farm, fur fox rescue. Fur farm rescue for foxes. Place. <laughs> at saveafox.org is the website. 
but it's one of Rosie's favorite Instagram pages. I can't remember what the Instagram handle is. Um, McDoolittle something. Fox. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, she she's only like a half hour from us, so we want to go visit the That's farm. That's it? I didn't realize it was In Lakeville, close. Minnesota. Wow, I didn't realize it was that close. Yep. But anyway, Rosie loves foxes. I do. I really do, and I've donated countless times. So it yes. it does feel right to go see the foxes. Yeah, so hopefully she'll get back to me between now and tomorrow. <laughs> but if not, I don't know, they weren't answering the phone, so I hope that everything's okay over there. Well, they're doing really well, actually. They uh, were just on the news. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I also saw them on the news for breaking the city ordinance oh recently because they're supposed to only have three foxes at a time and they have more than that oh geez but anyway um you know what she's trying to do a good thing so stop trying to squash it city of lakeville right let her do her activism she's not hurting anybody all right well you ready to wrap it up yeah i gotta figure out my new iphone Oh, yeah. Rosie got an iPhone XR. Mm-hmm. Now I have the grandpa iPhone with the 7 Plus. So I'm feeling uh, a little behind the times, but <laughs> that's all right. You've had that stupid Android for the last year, so <laughs> I can get over it. Good. All right. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye.